HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Heritage Foods, an online and wholesale distributor of heritage breed meat and poultry. Learn more at heritagefoods.com. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. This week, we're looking at the way labels shape our perspectives on food. I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but is it acceptable to judge a wine by its label? There are some labels that I'd say are so bad they're good. As long as your paperwork's in good shape, you'll get a grass-fed label. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network. That's meat plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and I love to talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. If you're just tuning in for the first time, all of the previous episodes of Feast Your Ears can be found in the archives at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm thankful for listeners like you, and I'd love it if you'd leave me a review wherever you find this podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Heritage Foods USA. If you haven't ordered your turkey yet, Head over to heritagefoods.com and check out the birds that I talked about with Frank Reese in episode 104. And you can check out all the other delicious stuff they have to offer while you're there. Tell them Harry sent you. Today's theme, three of my favorite things. Go follow Jerry Saltz on Instagram, at Jerry Saltz. I've often considered unfollowing everyone else or maybe just starting a new account so I can see only his posts and never miss one. Jerry's the art critic for New York Magazine and alternately shows me great classics, unsung artists, and heroes, and points out the lies and deceit perpetuated by the First Lady and her husband, who claim to have more than one Impressionist masterpiece in their Columbus Circle penthouse, when in fact the real paintings are in museum collections, yet our witless leader tells people they're his or the real thing. Jerry, if you're listening, I'd love to have you on the podcast. If you're paying attention to me in my personal bubble, it's bubbling because of fermentation. I can't get enough of the transformative powers of microbes. From beer and wine to natto and sauerkraut, koji, lactobacillus, soy sauce, miso, all of it. There's a tome that just came out from the folks at the Noma Fermentation Lab. I haven't even had a chance to look at it because I'm a little terrified of what kind of dark portal it will open up for me. I just started some lacto-fermented maitake mushrooms from the book via Sean Doherty, who was a guest on episode 119. Last, I love ice cream. I don't make it often or eat it much, but when I do, I don't go for the freezer burn pints from the bodega. I want the good stuff. 
Lucky for me, there's plenty around. You may have heard me talking about the Republic of Booza on episode 125 just two weeks ago. It seems like I've got ice cream all over this season of Feast Your Ears. Today's episode is an interview with someone who brings all three of these things together. Katyushka Mello runs Culture Cream, which is a six-month-old kefir-based ice cream company. She's also an artist and works with communities and food and art. I had the pleasure of speaking with her recently, and I hope you enjoy it. So can you just start by introducing yourself? Yeah. Just like my yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. What's okay. Hi, <laughs> my name is Katyushka Mello. I am Chilean-American, born here, but I consider myself a true Chilean. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you grew up in, we were talking before before we started recording, you grew up in Monroe, New York. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Upstate. Yeah. Um, and then moved to Santiago later. Yes. Right? Yes. How old were you when you moved to Santiago? I moved there when I was 17. Oh, okay. Yeah. 17 and I lived with my grandmother and my sister we moved together and I lived there for six and a half years did you feel like it was like a homecoming like a returning to your roots yeah it was it was a strange feeling because I didn't really want to go and it was like my parents were like you have to go for one year and really learn the language like connect with your roots had you visited when you were a kid I had I had but then like many years had passed and then one day it was like okay you guys are going now. <laughs> like there's a and ticket. And moving and that's it. Yeah, and there was yeah, a yeah. ticket with no return. Wow. And I was like, okay, all right, we're doing this. <laughs> but now, but then, it, so it, I mean, it worked. And Your parents ended up being right, right? I mean, it worked. Oh, and- totally. I'm so grateful <laughs> now. I'm like, uh, like before I would have just been like American, I think, yeah. you know? Because I think, you know, my parents are immigrants and 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 it's hard to like assimilate and, and really really understand you know like even when I was older I was like why are you speaking to me in Spanish you know (laughs) and what led like what led them from Chile to Monroe um well they originally arrived to the city my father's cousin owned a Chilean restaurant in the West Village and she was sort of like a renegade of the family she was a lesbian but like like a closeted lesbian and and ran away and also you know Pinochet was like a thing that was yeah, happening and so yeah. my parents left in the 70s as well and and they arrived here and then they had another cousin that was living in like somewhere in Rockland County I don't remember exactly so not so far from the city yeah. and they were like no and my mom was pregnant then you know like they lived for like two years and then she was pregnant and they were they were like okay you know you can't raise a kid in the city like come and so they they gradually moved to Rockland County and bought a house and then bought another house in Monroe and and so on got it yeah and I mean and Monroe I mean for people who are listening who don't sort of know that part of New York Monroe has its own kind of odd sort of cultural things because there's a huge Hasidic community right Hasidic Jewish community in Monroe It's, it's strange because when I was younger I don't remember seeing it so much. Interesting. I feel like they were like more insular and like really contained in a yeah, way. Yeah. And now it's like the takeover. Right. You know? it's sure. Like, it's I mean, there was a lot of news in the yeah. last couple of years about yeah. them taking over school boards yeah. and things like that. And I believe now they, their their village is its own town. I think they've split yeah. from the city yeah. or yeah, town. Yeah, we're saying. Around. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't keep up with that news. Yeah. But yes, I do know that a lot of people are like scared to sell their houses because they'll have someone else come in and and say, you know, like, bid, bid on the house, and, oh. and it's not actually for them. So, like, a friend of mine had this really, was renting out a beautiful, huge farm, and then 
really quickly had to move out. And what happened was a man, they, had, they essentially had like a front man come in and say, okay, we're going to bid on the house. And then it was actually Hasidics that were buying it. I see. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Was there, were there other Chilean expats in the area? No, I feel like, no. 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 So we it wasn't, had, it wasn't just, because it was a community. No, not at all. They actually were the first ones to sort of move into this area because there was a little community in this area in Rockland County. And I then see. they moved to Monroe. And then one of my, my mother's sisters moved because my parents were there. So that was really our community. Got it. And then maybe a cousin came or something, you know. But that was, it was a very small community. Yeah. Even though my mom's family is huge. There are 10. Wow. That's yeah. A lot. Ten kids, and my father is an only child, so both sides. <laughs> <laughs> and you have you have a sister who I do. you moved with. Do you have any other siblings? No, just no, one just sister. One. We kind of feel like we're like sometimes we're like, are we the same person? Our birthdays. Well, the you same have the birthdays day. the same. Well, our birthdays yeah, the same day. Same. We have the same exact voice and laugh. So, like, we've traveled a lot together, and I've had friends call us stereo sisters, because <laughs> he'll, like, be standing next to us, and then we'll say something in stereo, and then laugh, and we have many kinds of laughs, and we'll use our laughs, like, in the same way, you oh, know? That's so interesting. Yeah. And so you're the same sign, right? Yes. That's very, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, two years apart. Huh. Very yeah. interesting. It's cool. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit about Culture Cream. So, okay. Culture so, Cream is kefir ice cream. Yes. Well, I'm calling it probiotic, probiotic. and living okay. ice creams and sorbets. But yes, it's all the ice creams are made with kefir, the base, and and uh, sorbets are made with kombucha. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I do like a lot of like processes to some of the berries. You know, I'll do some lacto fermentation and depends on or use misos. I've talked to, um, I don't know if you know Cheryl Passwater. Sure, yeah. yeah. She um, makes an amazing miso, and she's made, like, this pistachio miso. So she's like, let's collaborate. Oh, and make, cool. Like a kefir. Contraband. Yeah, a contraband. Contraband ferments. Yeah. Culture yeah, cream. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Yeah, I've done some of some of her workshops with her and put in some of, of the culture cream and the herbal tonics. So did you start out making sort of traditional ice creams and then move into probiotic? I did. I did. I started out making traditional ice cream. I had this um, event called the Tasting Lab. Okay. And it was just about experimenting. And so you would sign up and it was pay as you wish. And I would do like a pairing with some sort of alcoholic beverage. I would use a lot of kombucha, you know, to like pair like maybe like a whiskey a kombucha and then I made like an ice cream that would go with it ah. and that's how I, I started out experimenting with flavors and I did every single crazy flavor you can imagine <laughs> I was very much into foraging so I would go into Central Park and there was I have this one tree that I really love it's it's a Juneberry tree oh sure and I it's, it has the perfect boulder next to it that I can climb up and reach like a big part of it and I would just go and like come back with like like giant bags of it and just make amazing ice creams and sorbets with it nice so I was really into doing that I would go you know get spruce tips and make some sort of experiment with that and infuse and wait and you know ferment and so I think that I've always been into that and then um, I wanted to make some ice cream but something different you know Mm -hmm. And, and I was already doing a lot of fermentation and so I just decided that it would be a good way to marry the two things. 
And did yeah. you have to adjust the process? I mean, is the well, is I the kefir? I don't. I can't kefir. heat the right. the kefir, you know, sure. and I can't heat the kombucha. So right. I have like one part that is the cold. Yeah. So if I do like a juice that I'm, I can cold press it and mix it with the kombucha, and then I can do whatever the simple syrup it is. You know, I use a lot of herbs, and so I, there usually is some sort of a simple syrup. Yeah. And then I'll blend them together. Once it's cooled and everything, yep. yeah, got it. Because you can freeze probiotics. That's the, the interesting sure. thing. Sure, yeah, they're, they, I mean, it's they like suspended dormant, animation, yeah. But it's amazing because it's dormant, and then once you consume the ice cream, it, it like right. activates. Yeah, 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 that's really cool. I wish I could see that, you know. Like, that <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, them just being sort of dormant and quiet, and then, yeah. Yeah, 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 being yeah, reactivated yeah. by the body heat. Yeah. Um, so right now, um, you're producing sorbets, you're producing kefir ice cream, you're producing, uh, popsicles, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And where can people find them? I mean, the summer sort of just ended, right? Yeah. You, so you were at lots of markets this summer. I that's was. Where, I mean, that's where we met at the, yeah. at the Great Barrington Fermentation Festival, or Berkshire Fermentation Festival yes. at Great Barrington. Um, well, I just started with this company in... August, the beginning of August, end of end of July, and originally I thought I could, you know, make some sort of like a bicycle. That's kind of my my thing. I still want to do this, sure. But I started late in the season, so it was really hard to get the licensing for it. So I so I I just decided I would do farmers markets and apply to festivals and see what I can get into. Cool, and it sounds like you guys were really busy. And it's been amazing. You know, people really really like it. They're into it, and I feel like there's such a community around fermentation. Absolutely, bigger than I could have imagined. You know, and so I mean, I, I sort of think the I think about the fermentation community as being like fermentation. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. like yeah, yeah, the yeah, microbes yeah. are always like yes. replicating themselves, yeah. and I feel like once like you get someone else into fermentation, and someone else into fermentation, someone yes. else into fermentation, and then there's suddenly more fermentation. I love that. I love that. That's so good. Yeah. So I feel, I feel like it's been better than I could imagine. You know, especially like I, I really feel a part of this community, and I feel like people are super open and willing to share. Yeah. Which is great, you know, and. Um, so what I've been thinking about now is doing a pint club nice. for the winter winter months because I feel like ice cream you need it always. It doesn't matter what the weather yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, if you look at someone like Ben and Jerry's, right? Yeah. I mean, they opened in Vermont in a, like, cold place, and look what's happened with that, right? Yeah, yeah. So And the holidays are coming, so yep. I feel like I'm, I can make some some delicious winter flavors, oh, yeah. yeah, for the holidays. Eggnog, maybe, yeah. like fermented eggnog. Yeah, I was, maybe something with, like, pumpkin or I don't know. I love spices. I told you I'm a spice collector. Yeah. So I definitely will make like a more spicier, you know, like heartier ice cream. So tell me about collecting spices. Yeah. I mean, is that is that something like, do you have just like a giant wall of spices do. or do you seek out certain ones and use them and then move on to other ones? I have a giant wall. I have a giant wall and um, yeah, and anyone that knows me will always, if they travel afar and they're like, I brought this seed. I don't know what to do with it, but you might, <laughs> right? you know? And so it's really amazing. People like hear that I, that I'm into this or they come and they're like, do you have black cardamom? I have this recipe. And I, I don't know where to get it. Piece, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I get some? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I got it. You know? And I think I've really, I've, I've been able to do a lot of spice collecting through art, which is oh, kind nice. of strange because I've done a lot of residencies around the world and lived in various places. And so I'm always, whenever I arrive somewhere, the first thing I do is I go to the markets. 
Sure. That's like my number one thing. And like kind of see like what's what's happening, what's brewing, what are people using, what are the ingredients, what's fresh. And then and then I'll like find like the weirdest thing and then ask around and see how it's used and see if I can use it, if it's interesting enough. And that's sort of how like the, the collecting and the the flavors have come. Yeah. Do you have any like do you have any spices that are things that are like incredibly hard to get that like you know that you have but you have to kind of like be a little bit careful yeah i mean the world seems like with the internet and with the interest in food in the last 10 years that a lot of these things that used to be very difficult to get have gotten easier to a certain extent but i have to imagine there are still things out there that are hard to come by yeah i think i like like a lot of the indigenous spices you can get Mm -hmm. i think that's like the most interesting for me and i think that you i don't i don't I don't try to hoard the spices. Sure. You know, I'm happy to share and right. tell people. Well, and I'm, exci- and fresh anyway, and I'm right? excited, you know, yeah. about them too. So yeah. I, I usually, if I get it, I want to use it right away, you know. And, you know, like my family's from Chile and in the south of Chile, we have Mapuches and they do a lot of like smoking. And so we have mm. lots of things like Mergen and there's this really interesting like pepper from the south. I think that's like a good ingredient because it's like, it's not. It's not. It's not like a pepper that you've had here. It's almost like sweet in a way. Hmm. I should probably use this. Dry, right dried or it's dried. Okay. It's dried. Yeah, it's dried. And mapuches use it to to infuse teas and oh, wow. and like this might I make a good fall flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a lot of it now, but yeah. I could get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, how do you create your flavors of the of culture cream? I mean, for your, your your kefirs, I mean, are you just constantly playing around, like with the you know, as an out an outgrowth of the tasting lab? Yeah, I think that there's definitely like flavors that I've that I've created in the past and tested and made, and that have really stuck with me because I'm like, this is this is really good. Yeah. So I guess like one of the things that I always try to use is miso just because I think it's so interesting to be able to use that in an ice cream. And I've used it in many ways, mixing it with many kinds of fruits and like brown sugars and maple syrup and like so many. And the opportunity in in variety. I mean, I think the other thing that's happened as people have learned more about food and looked at things like different ingredients or different spices is that, you know, 10 years ago, miso meant one thing in this country. It was white, light colored, kind of sweet. But the fact is that, you know, there's a huge spectrum of miso. And then if you add into, you know, start working with someone like Cheryl, contraband ferments, I mean, there's a whole other spectrum of misos you can make that aren't even commercially available. So it's a huge wide thing that used to mean something very limited. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's definitely like that aspect of it. And then, um, Sorry, I lost it. Uh, oh, I was asking about how you create your flavors. Oh. And, and I think that I also create them definitely like season, whatever's yeah. happening, whatever fruits out or I don't know, some savory aspect that's like sure. happening. And, I'm, and I try to integrate that into, into my flavor palette. What was your favorite ice cream as a kid? My favorite ice cream as a kid? I don't know if it was my favorite flavor, but it's what came to my mind right now. But it's because... I think it's my dad's favorite flavor. So that's why I think I always like kind of got it. And it's mint chocolate chip. And, you know, my parents have an accent. And so I loved the way he ordered it. He would always say, um, uh, I would like the uh, chocolate, chocolate mint chip. 
chocolate mint chip. And I was like, Dad, it's mint chocolate chip. And he was like, no, chocolate mint chip. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, that brings up an interesting question, right, about naming conventions yeah. of yeah, yeah. like, you know, when I think of mint chocolate chip, I think it's mint ice cream with small pieces of chocolate, chocolate in it, yeah. right? But yeah. if someone was to say chocolate, chocolate mint, mint chip, chip, that in my brain is like, okay, that's chocolate ice cream yeah, with, like with um, chips of mint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. It's yeah. a very different thing, totally. the way the language totally. works. yeah. Well, you know, in, in Spanish, everything is. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it's great. I was So I don't know if that was really my right. favorite flavor, but it's definitely something that was, like, present in our family. When you moved to Santiago, were there specific flavors of ice cream in South America that don't appear here in the U.S.? So there is Miel de Ulmo. It's a tree in the south, it's, and they take a sap and make this amazing honey. It has, like, a little bit of, like, a medicinal, like, mm. undertone to it. But it's, like, rich and, and creamy, and they make ice cream out of this. And there's also miel de palma, which is which is um, palm honey or right. palm syrup. Yeah. Um, and there's, like, an, also, like, an ice cream that's been made with this. But I don't know if, there, if it's, like, something that's, that I ate necessarily when right. I first arrived there. But it's something that I enjoy now. Do you think that you would ever do any flavors um, with non-fermented milk? Like, would you do milk but with other ferments in it? Or do you think that it will always be That's some form of fermented milk? That's interesting. I actually haven't thought about that. Okay. Like, as of now, I've always yeah. I've just been, like, bringing forth, like, the, the kefir. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, kefir. How do you say it? Is it kefir? Some people say kefir. Some people say kefir. Some people yeah. say kefir. I've yeah. heard it pronounced lots of different ways. I, I also think that it sort of depends on where it's coming from. You mentioned before we before we started recording that there are, you know, there are kefir grains in Chile. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that was like part around. of my life growing yeah. up. It was like yogur de pajaritos, which means yogurt of little like little bird yogurt which is very strange <laughs> I don't know why was this something your parents made yeah it was like no and then people would keep them and like oh this sure. one this one was like my, my my nana that was in my house like the housekeeper you know and yeah. she had it from her family on this farm and and like you should have it it makes really good yogurt right you know like yeah. I mean it's like trading yogurt grains or sourdough or any yeah, of those yeah, things yeah, right yeah. I mean there is that familial community history yeah. that goes with it as it gets passed but around. I never thought about it and I always called it pajaritos I never called it kefir or kefir I just called it pajaritos and it was like pajaritos yogurt hmm. you know like yeah like this thing and I would say like this Chilean thing you know right 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 like, and people would be like what are those you know and I'm like they're they're pajaritos and they're like what does that mean I'm like <laughs> little birds I don't know <laughs> And I never could understand what that connection was, right? Yeah. I was like, well, I wonder why, little birds, you know? Huh. It's interesting, because I've, I mean, I've always thought of it as being very much, you know, like Eastern Europe down into the Mediterranean. I mean, yogurt related yeah. in that way, um, you know, and I had never, I never had known that there was an entire, like, culture of it. Yeah, and you know, it's America. funny, because in Chile, the dairy in Chile is... It's very strange what's happened. Like Soproli, which is like the big sort of dairy company, took over and has made the like the long like the long shelf life milk. You know uh, what I'm talking about? The in box Tetra Pak, in yeah. Tetra Pak. That's what people drink in Chile. That's the norm, and it's sort of taken over. And it's kind of disgusting that 
that you can't source. Yeah. The first time I saw that stuff was like in the nineties. I went to France and Parmalat was all over the Parmalat. place. Parmalat. Parmalat's there too. Parmalat, yeah. Soprole. I think Cologne is what like they say is like the best one out of all of them, but it's still like milk in a tetra pack, yeah. you know? And so it's funny to like see that that you there is like the the cows and you can potentially get good milk and and source good products dairy yeah. products but it's really hard huh. yeah and there's a big like fresh cheese kind of thing happening in chile we have like quesillos and and queso fresco which means like a fresh cheese and, yeah. and people are really into this and there are small like smaller like companies in the south who have been able to kind of break the seal but it's mm. hard because yeah. these companies are so big you know right. Yeah, and then how do you get to how do you get to market, right? I mean, yeah. and then you need to. It all depends on what's happening in the market. I mean, and I think here in the U.S., we've had this real revolution in an interest in cheese and dairy mm. coming mm. out of Europe mm. and really being able to get things here. And then it's just been an explosion right. of stuff manufactured here in the last fifteen twenty yeah. years. And that, but but part of the support for that is you have small specialty groceries. And small cheese shops, right? right so you right. have you now have a network where people can actually get these things. Yeah. And I've seen it sort of trickle. I mean, I call it like trickling up, trickles up into the regular supermarkets. You know, yes, in yeah. New York, in the Sea Town, in the Associateds, you yeah. can buy, you know, Calgary Creamery, Mount Tam, yeah. which you yeah. never used to be able to buy right. in a supermarket setting. Mm, mm. Not that they're necessarily handling it well. Yeah. I mean, that's a separate, yeah, 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 kind of problem, but. No, and even like you know, in small towns, there also are little like specialty shops. Yeah, and, absolutely. And and I think that there is a real like revolution for like the farmers and and all the the producers yeah. and makers of like little small like industry. So yeah. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Heritage Foods. Heritage Foods was founded to sell ancient breeds of livestock and poultry that were becoming extinct, largely because industrial agriculture willfully pushed healthy heritage breeds aside for more profitable, faster-growing animals. Rare heritage breeds are saved when popular demand increases and farmers have the incentive to raise them. This Thanksgiving, we encourage you to buy a turkey from Frank Reese's Good Shepherd Poultry Ranch. Frank's turkeys are 100% purebred heritage, 100% pasture-raised, and 100% antibiotic-free. Turkeys are available in two-pound increments. You choose your size. Don't wait. Pre-order your Heritage Thanksgiving turkey today at heritagefoods.com. So you're also an artist. Yes. So I want to I want to talk about your art a little bit. I mean, I was looking at your site, um, and if people want to see want to see your art. Um, they can go to I'm gonna katushkamellowgreen.com. Yep. Right. Um, we'll put it up on the when we put this episode up online. Um, if you, you can't, you know, spell that just from hearing it. But on your site, you have probably some probably can't. <laughs> <laughs> you have some, you know, you have um, you know a lot of photographs of your art, and some of it involves food, and yeah. a lot of it is very interactive and very performative. Yes. Um, and you know, so does your art require you to be present? Most of the time. Okay. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. 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 Well, I grew up dancing. So my background is, I feel like the stage is sort of like a place that I feel really comfortable. 
and um, I grew up classically trained, like doing ballet and doing the Nutcracker every year, and and I came to New York City. I had I was married, very young, and I collaborated with my partner at the time, and we did for eleven years, and mm. we traveled the world doing a lot of performances, and sort of like, kind of melded into this one person kind of character, and and then once once we we separated. I realized that I still needed to do this. I needed to do performance, and and um, I was still able to do a lot of residencies. And and every time I would arrive, as I said, to a new place, I would go to the markets, and 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 immediately I would gravitate towards any indigenous community that was around. And in many places that I went to, there were underserved communities, and and. I don't know, not only women, but it's also you're an indigenous group, so even yeah. even more so, right? So one of the, the places I was it was in um, Rajasthan, in Partapur, in a really small, small village, but it had a very large community of Rabari women. And they were buffalo herders, and they were super fierce women. They would walk so many miles with milk balancing on their yeah. head to deliver. And, I mean, it was amazing to see and I couldn't speak the language and but I would go every day and I would cut their onions because they thought it was great that I could chop onions really quick so they would just throw bags of onions at me and I was like chopping them and watching and cooking with them and sort of making food and and I made really beautiful videos with them where I was you know kind of talking about like the the castes and and how like food has no caste system right and so you know, you could still get, like, the staples, which was, like, the, the dal chapati, right? And the rice. Everywhere. In any, in any, in any caste, in any, yeah. in any place. So I, I, and, you know, I guess, like, the way they cooked it was, like, the only difference. They cooked it in a hole in the ground, you know, and, and it was really beautiful, you know, for me to do this. And I would dress up, whatever they wanted to do. I felt like it was, like, a mutual thing. I was like, I'm going to record you. And they're like, we're going to dress you and you're going to chop on you. And so I was like, okay, I can do that, you know? Nice. And so I think that that was like really like the first time that like the two kind of worlds collided for me. In Chile, I did a lot of like supper clubs and, and yeah, there was and, a piece called El, El Caranto. Oh yeah, El Caranto. Yeah, I did um, that in the south of Chile. Yeah, and and that I mean that reminded me seeing the pictures of it. So I mean, I'll let you describe yeah. it. I mean, so it was cooking in the ground, right? Yep, 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 yep. So in the south of Chile, where there's a lot of Mapuches. Um, there's a small archipelago called Chiloe, and it's it's like a fisherman sort of towns. And um, there's a beautiful museum there, and a, a large community of Mapuche. And I was able to connect with one of the women, and you know, she sort of told me the history of of Curanto and how it originally was. You know, you would move right together, and you would do this thing called a minga, and so with all the oxen and the bulls and everything, they would tie up their homes and you would move your entire home. Wow. So you'd either do it this way or floating, right? On a boat or something. But you would take the whole house with you. And it, it took a village. Yeah. So in order to feed the village, they, built, they would like make giant holes, giant holes and like heat up the rocks. And you know, you're right there in the ocean. So yeah. they were able to get seafood like nothing and they would just coat the whole bottom with shellfish 
So that was like the layer that would sort of like protect the rest. Yeah. And they would throw in all sorts of meats and sausages and, and more seafood. And they think, make these like patties called nilkao, which is made from potato starch. They would just like pull out all the juice and like make these little like patties with them. And that they would cover it on top. And then they would um, take big um, leaves called nalkas which are sort of, they feel so prehistoric to me. They're, they sort of are like from the rhubarb family. Okay, so they're know, just giant. But they're so big, and wow. so they would just cover up, and that was what would keep all the steam in sure. it, and just cook. And, and by the time all of the work was done, hours and hours had gone by, and the food was ready, and they would just yeah. like lift up these leaves, and, the, and everyone would just pick out you know, the food and eat with the milkao and everything. It's like a clam bake. I mean, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, in yeah, New yeah, England. yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was able to do it, like on the museum property, and and I and I did a large call. You know, I said anyone who wants to come and help and and eat, yeah. you know, and only women came. Really? Yeah, only women came. Some men came to eat, but for the process, only women came. Now, I mean, traditionally, would that have been something that the women were doing in that kind of gender, you know, historic yeah. gender role? Yeah. They I would have been cooking. The men yes. would have been moving the house, I, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, nobody was moving a house that yeah. day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's funny that that still today it didn't like no not one man was like oh I want I, I want to do, do this yeah. I want to do this you yeah. know yeah huh interesting yeah. Um, you know and and I think there's such an interesting intersection of where we can take things like art and food mm-hmm. and community right I mean, yeah. that it's that it is about all of these things and it's also about it's about learning but it's about being together and then there's a performative aspect to your compost composition i'm mm. super fascinated by um so you know my understanding is that that you're taking sort of leftover food food waste essentially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but composing it into a still life yep. and then photographing yep. it yep yep and I mean, now I'm, I'm very busy, so I haven't had as much time, but I was doing one every single day. Wow. Yeah. Because I, I cook a lot, you yeah. know, and I do a lot of events and catering. And yeah. so, so I was able to have beautiful, beautiful, beautiful waste, yeah. essentially. <laughs> and I would always like find something and I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be amazing. I love this this mold, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there was an artist, or there was an artist named Jeff Gareca, who I knew a long okay. time ago, and I don't know if he's still in New York at all. But back in the, like, late 90s, early 2000s, he did a number of pieces that were related to rotting food. Mm-hmm. And one specifically that I remember is, if there was a, it was somebody had this idea, and I think there were lots of different artists involved, but they parked a bunch of tractor trailers around in Chelsea, uh, uh, around okay. the galleries, and it was like this sort of antithetical thing to like the brick and mortar galleries. But they parked a bunch of tractor trailers, and then artists had one each, like did a tractor trailer, and Jeff did one that you like walked up some steps and into, and there was all this rotting food, like food. It wasn't rotting when it started, but it like it was installed and for you like could, a and month. And you could walk into it. And you could go into the you could go into the tractor trailer, and there was a refrigerator, and there was the refrigerator was open, and there was all this food, and you know the idea was that in the piece was like 30 days long mm. so over time it all you know rotted at different rates and molds and all this different stuff that's so funny I did a piece in Mexico which I called the daily bread and so I made bread every single day and and I was I was giving classes to these group of women so I taught them to make bread I taught them to make bread I taught them to dye with like food scraps like avocado pits and and onion skins and and whatever we could find you know and so I 
And I just made all sorts of bread, and I would bring it to class and share it with everyone, anyone who wanted to. It was a tiny, tiny town. It had 963 people. Wow. So it was, it was pretty, yeah. pretty backwards. Tight community. Yeah, very tight, very very strange. Cut off. <laughs> yes, very strange. I, would, I walked in, and everyone was like, that's, that's the girl. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, no. Someone actually broke into my place. Out like, of 963 people? Yeah, and I was like... I, I'm going to see you tomorrow. Right. You know that, right? right. <laughs> anyway, I made this bread every day, and I would save whatever was not eaten. So I did 30 days of bread, and so it was like different color mold. Yeah. And so I, I, I put them like sculptures on little pedestals, and I just had one for each, each day that passed. And the exhibition was then up for three months. Oh, so, so it was it amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It was like a takeover you know it was like greens and blues it was so beautiful but it was sort of that like same yeah. idea yeah and I, I mean I, and I always have been drawn to art that exists as multiplicity like whether that's you know Andy Warhol yeah or whether it's something like you know photo projects where people do a photograph every single day yeah. like I'm yeah. very interested in, in that kind of multiplicity of object or multiplicity of time yeah yeah and as it relates to food, it's very interesting, and food waste especially. I mean, it's really, you know, I mean, as, as you point out, I think, in some of the uh, information on your site about that piece, mm. that, you know, there is so much food waste. So and much. And we have so many sort of wasted calories, essentially, yeah, yes. that, that they're really, I mean, there should be, nobody should be starving. Yeah. No. Right? It doesn't, it really makes very little sense. Yeah. And, and that people throw away lots of things that are edible. And then we have this obsession with perfect food and perfect fruit, and nobody wants to eat anything blemished or any yeah. of those kinds of things. No, I love using everything, everything. It's like I cut a pineapple, and I'm like, oh, the skins, I'm going to boil these, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I make vinegar yeah. out of the yeah. skins. Yeah, Oh, you do out of pineapple? Yeah, pineapple oh, skin. I mean, anything. Pineapple, melon. But like melon. tipache, right? Kind of like tipache. Yeah. I mean, you basically, you make tipache and then let it go let further. Let it go further. Yeah, so you're basically huh. letting the taste. alcohol ferment into, yeah. into vinegar. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And then it lasts longer. Yeah. You know. um, what are your, some of your inspirations when it just comes to the kind of food that you're working on? I mean, you mentioned uh, Aaron French in The Lost Kitchen. Oh, I love it. Have, have you been? been? I have. I have, too. Yeah. So the first time I went, I didn't, I didn't really know. Someone was like, oh, you should go to this place. And they had gone so many like years before, yeah. and so they didn't realize it was like hard to go sit there. And I was like six months pregnant I think and uh, my partner was there for this conference and and I was waiting to go have dinner and it was like you could show up I think it was like five o'clock right and you could get a spot they had six spots but they were like it's really easy and I'm like okay yeah I'll just show up at five o'clock and I'll get the six spots whatever one of those spots yeah and I show up and I like walk in and I was like, oh no, it looks like there's more than six people already. And when I walked in and I was like, are, are you all waiting? And they're like, yeah, they haven't come out yet because we arrived like 10 to 5 or like quarter to 5. Yeah. And I thought, this is like, right. we're done, we're in, you right, know? Right. And I was starving. Oh, no. So I'm sitting there and, and they had already gotten on a list. And I was like, When's the, when are they going to come out again? And they're like, there might not be any more spots. And I was like, what? What do you mean? And the woman comes out, and she was like, so, yeah, you know, that's it. We're all booked up for the, it was like for the 5.30 or the yeah, 6 yeah. o'clock spot. And I think she only like, does one seating. Yeah, and so I was like, what? 
And I was like, no, I'm really hungry. She's like, no, but there's one more seating, and we can definitely put you on for that one. It's at 7.30. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, but where can I go? Right, there's you know, nothing around here. And I'm freedom. like, can I go around yeah. here? And she was like, mm, I think the closest town is Belfast. You yeah. can get something. It was like 40 minutes away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, but that would be 40 minutes and 40 minutes back. No, I wouldn't make it back right. even. They're like, but you can just grab a bottle of wine, you know, and like, we'll bring out olives and you could just like drink wine and have olives. And I was like, and she was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess that doesn't work, huh? And I was like, I'm so hungry. You know, I was so genuine about it. And I was like, oh my God. And we like left and they had given my partner these like green tea Kit Kat snacks at the conference. And he was like, babe, you want to try these? And I was like. This is disgusting. They are bright green. And I'm like biting into them, like depressed, looking out at this like beautiful mill house. Like it's so amazing, yeah. right? And I'm like, let's just go. Let's go somewhere else. I'm, I'm really, I can't. I need, let's drive 40 minutes. At least I know we'll eat something in 40 minutes. Yeah. But like I can't. And this man comes running out and he's like, he was definitely from there, you know, from Maine. He had like the accent and everything. He was like, so, uh, you know, I'm a pig, he says. And I'm like, what? He's like, I'm such a pig. I live right down the street. And I come here every night and I take two of those seats, me and my partner do. And I was like, what? And I'm like, why are you telling me this? He's like, I saw you and I saw how hungry you were. And I felt really bad. He's like, I am eating my food as fast as I can. And I'm going to give you my spot. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, we're sitting at the bar. And I was like, okay. So he like came out in 20 minutes. He like downed his food. We came in and I was like, oh my God, thank you. He recommended the dishes. He's like, if there's someone that can recommend it to me, we eat here every night. I was like, okay. So I come in, I get the food and we had the best spot because we were actually sitting. We were right at the kitchen. And you know she's amazing to yeah. watch, and it's all women, and it's just so inspiring. Yeah. They're all and she's growers. She's like a dancer. Yeah, when she, yeah. When she moves around. Yeah, and she time. was using these small, like little cast iron skillets, and was just like, and would talk like very quietly, and was like, yeah. you know, and someone would like pass her something, and I was like, wow, there was like a real dance happening, yeah. and it was just so like magical to see that, and and I felt like like calm and at ease eating there and I, and I could feel it in the food you yep. know and it was simple food yeah, you know it wasn't anything like like a crazy sauce or anything it was just like beautifully plated really nice like seafood and like super fresh right yep. and to me I was like this is this is an amazing space this is an amazing project I love that she's I mean I really like projects that like kind of use all women and sure you know I was just like I felt good and then I went back again. You know, now you, you, you would call by phone. Yes. So we did that. Yeah. We did the call and we got the December 6th date or something. Oh, it was way like, at the it end. It was the end. It must have been cold in there. It was really cold. And I was like, should we go? And now it changed. So yeah, it's you only have to a send tasting, in a card. And it's just a tasting menu. Yes. So we went to the tasting menu and she, she was like serving, just like bringing out the food now. And I guess, you know, they must tell everyone there you know like all oh, this person has come this many times you know and she was like oh welcome back you know and like I guess kind of trying to figure out who was the people who had been there before right yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like you know it's me and I and I told her a story I was like I was so lucky last time I was pregnant and there was this man and he comes here all the time and she says was his name Terry by any chance and I was like yes 
She's like, he's here tonight. And I'm like, no way. And I'm like, does he still come here every night? I'm like, he doesn't come here every night, but he happens to be here tonight. That's and amazing. I went to go see him. That's so cool. I was like, oh my God, hi. And he was like, hi. He's like, you had the baby, right? Yeah. And I was like, I had the baby. I'm like, the baby's not here. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. That's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's definitely inspiration. Yeah. I also like, have you ever been to Little Deb's Oasis? No. In Hudson? No. It's also like a beautiful restaurant that's run by all women. It's sort of like Caribbean, Latin, fusion. I don't know. And they make this whole fried fish with this like gingery, creamy sauce that you pour on top. And it is, (laughs) it's so good. It will blow your mind. Really. I'm like, wow, this is good. And they always make like interesting mixes, like, like vinegars that they've been doing. And yeah. Just, like, really fun. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time. Okay. Um, but I wanted to make sure that people knew where to find you and to find your ice cream. So people should go to eatculturecream.com and sign up for your pint yes. club, yes. right? Yes, yes, um, yes. Can you tell me a little bit more, like, how is that going to work? You're going to have pickup so locations? I think, I think I'm going to try to team up with a friend who has a CSA. Nice. And sort of, like, do it like a pickup. Yep. Almost like you're picking up your CSA, you pick up your, your, ice your, cream. your pint. Yeah, nice. And yeah, I think that's what's going to work best right now cool. rather than delivering. Yeah. Although I know people would really like that better, but yeah, but that's okay. The, yeah. the ice cream's really good. I've yeah. Had yeah. Can, people, people, <laughs> people should be willing to go pick it up. Um, they can find you on Instagram at, at eat culture cream. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Um, and they can follow you at Katyushka mellow green. Yes. Okay. Check out the art. Yeah, we'll put that we'll put yeah. that up there too uh, on the site because uh, I mean maybe you can spell it those of you listening at home, but maybe spell you can. out the spell out your name oh. just by hearing it. Okay, so. it's K A T I U S H K A M E L O G R E E N. Yep, and so that's on on uh, Instagram and also uh, online as well. Well, thank you so much for joining me on thank Feast Your Ears today. Me. And uh, I can't wait to see what's next, both in your art and in your ice cream. Yes, I will bring over some new flavors. That sounds great. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Feast Your Ears today. You can find Feast Your Ears, as well as lots of other great shows, at heritageradionetwork.org, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please take a moment to rate and review the show, and please reach out to me if you have any questions. You can reach me via email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com, and you can follow me on Instagram, at thefoodballer. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.